here's the situation. You're a lawyer. You've got to cross-examine me. And the thesis of my case is that Roger Federer has taken up Nelson Mandela's mantle as the world's most well-liked and respected human. What's your cross-examination look like? Oh, man. It's it's not going to look good. I'm TJ Jagodowski. I'm Rush Howell. This is Here's the Situation. This is a uh, real podcast about hypothetical situations. And uh, this week's theme is Planet Witness. That's right. Planet Witness. And so that one would uh, obviously go to the towards the witness, the witness category. Um, if uh, no one's ever heard uh, this show before, uh, Rush and I, uh, you know, offer hypothetical situations to each other. Neither of us have heard the ones that will be offered to us before. As uh, this will definitely prove out as I butcher a cross examination later of of Mr. Howell. Uh, I'm happy to have you on the hot seat. I'm just uh, I feel underprepared in my role as a as attorney already. That's right. And that's just one example. I'm going to give you a couple to choose from at the end, but uh, you know, <laughs> okay. we like to keep it short up top <laughs> we should uh, in, in the in the lead end. But uh, let's go planet uh, witness. That was my idea, pun on planet fitness, but uh, I like the concept of witness and I and the movie witness. So, oh, right. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll straight into that a bit. Um, and so, well, we'll start with uh, with you being a witness uh, for, for my first one, Rush. So here's the situation. A cop says to you, uh, I'm sorry to hear you were robbed, Mr. Howell, but I'm told you got a good look at the suspects and that you were, well, I'll tell you why, why I thought of this. The other, maybe a month ago, this van was about to blow a stop sign and run into our dog, Josie, and I oh. lost my mind. Before I knew it, I was up, uh, I was in this guy's window, and the cops ended up being called. He ended up th- saying he was going to find out where we lived and, and kill us. Um, so I ended up like phoning the cops. Uh, calling in his his uh, license plate number, but I realized afterwards. I asked to Beth, like Beth, was that guy wearing a flannel? She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I I have no idea what he was wearing. I I don't know if I'd be able to describe his face. I was inches away from it, screaming at it, and I don't know if I could describe him or a single thing that he was wearing. Um, right. I all of a sudden well, realized, like I would. You'll know. Later, when he comes to kill you, yeah, so I'm like, assuming. Oh, but even then, I'm just going to be assuming it was him. You know, like it, <laughs> could, it could be someone take, else. Take a number. So, take a number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll start this one over one more time. Here's the situation: um, a cop says, uh, "Mr. Howell, I'm sorry to hear that you were robbed, but I'm told you got a good look at the suspects and that you were even previously familiar with them. So I'm just going to jot down some notes as to their physical appearance based on your description here, uh, Mr. Howell. You said the first assailant was a twenty dollar bill." Um, could you please describe to me the face of the bill, uh, maybe which way which way he was facing, how he's dressed, and any other distinguishing marks overall from the front of this twenty dollar bill? Nice, nice. So, and I, I'm not just stalling because I don't even remember who's on the twenty dollar bill at this moment. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, there's all sorts of very interesting stuff uh, that that I learned in like these law school classes that that I knew even at the time I would never need, but that, that are about uh, the incredibly poor uh, memories of, of, you know, uh, what do they call it? Eyewitnesses. Uh, or... Eyewitnesses. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> uh, but so eyewitnesses are like notorious. I mean, I'm sure you've read the, the literature and so forth on it, but it is uh, astounding the level of, uh, you know, accord we give to these uh, eyewitness accounts that r- really have no 
basis in in reality yeah. like 40 percent of the time i mean it's almost like a placebo like you know i think like the placebo does but does better or whatever but anyway uh let me try uh 20 bill so we're talking about um it's it's uh is it a male uh, yeah it's a male okay it's got like you know kind of could be a wig could be his actual hair kind of flowing i think i mean it's andrew jackson okay um, That'll help. That'll help us. Uh, so he was the seventh president of the United States. Uh, extraordinarily uh, un- unwell liked. His, his reputation is not aged uh, well at all. Um, I think he was in- involved in several atrocities involving Native Americans, but uh, also just several atrocities of uh, basic human behavior, kindness, uh, but, but, decorum. But I mean, we're looking for a likeness of him, right? We're not trying to get him. Correct. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but I just, uh, so yeah. Uh, so a guy looks, you know, I think he was facing to, to the right maybe. Okay. Um, and, uh, there was all sorts of like, especially more recently, like a lot of large numbers and, uh, stuff in different fonts and colors all around him Okay. Uh, to make him, uh, harder, I guess, to, uh, counterfeit him. Do you but remember how he's, dr- how he's like. dressed at all or, uh, anything like that? Uh, I think I I want to say he had a collar, okay. collared shirt of some sort, but it could be wrong about that. Okay, could also be wrong about virtually everything I just said. Okay, um, w- would you like some of the details from the front, or would you just like? Yeah, to... yeah, hit me. Um, he he is facing right. Um, I would describe him as long nosed, high foreheaded, um, neck neck length gray white hair, big eyebrows. Uh, he's wearing a high collared white shirt. You were absolutely right about that. A black jacket and either the implication or a little ruffle at the bottom of, oh, of yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you'll also find on there the, the federal reserve seal, the department of the treasury seal and a couple signatures, the secretary of the treasurer and the, and the treasurer. But, uh, but Mr. Howell, you said you also saw him from the back, I believe. Um, oh. Yeah, just as he was walking away. Do you remember? Can you describe anything from the from his back? Uh, I think there was like a pyramid with an eye on top of it, and okay. um, uh, maybe like a monument. Um, uh, there was some uh, language, maybe "E pluribus unum" or something on his on his jacket. He had like a members only jacket. Okay, but he had some. Uh, it had like some or some writing across the back, like a like a baseball manager. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, great. Another witness said that it was uh, they saw the White House um, and in God we trust. So we'll 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 cobble something together. No, nope, that sounds right. Now okay, think about it. That, that <laughs> sounds way more accurate than, than my recollection. And you said the the ringleader you saw was the Statue of Liberty. Now we know she's tall. You don't have to. We we know that we're, we're reasonably yeah. familiar. Um, but if uh, we're more concerned with what she's holding, maybe how she's dressed, if she was wearing anything, anything else, if you could describe that at the time of, of the robbery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my recollection uh, is, she, you know, she broke in. She stole stuff from it. I it was. She was key to the job because I live on the 47th floor ah, right. and she, so she came in and just, uh, she was, she was a big part of the, the height of the heist and she was wearing a, like a crown, um, but not like a classic crown. It was ah. tilted forward a bit pointy, like a, like a tiara, but with spikes coming out of it. Phenomenal. Okay, great. Uh, she had, um, uh, her right hand up in the air, like big, uh, torch in there in the right hand and okay. then the left hand was cradling, um, some uh, uh, tablet with some written 
uh, some written thoughts about, uh, you know, uh, freedom and government, that sort of thing. Maybe wow. it was um, a specific uh, text. She had sandals on. She had a long gown. Well, she's not uh, running. She's not running far like that. I can tell you that. Yeah, but each step is like a full city block. So <laughs> okay. she doesn't, you know, she doesn't need to run to, to move away quickly. Like she has the benefit of a really long stride. Mr. Uh, Howell. She had any rings or a necklace or anything. She left um, quite an impression on you. This one, you, you nailed this one. This, this one really left an impression on you. Yeah, well, she was right. Her face was right up in my window. Okay, and and the last assailant, which I'm assuming you've seen hundreds of times before, Mister Howell, is the Boston Celtics leprechaun logo. Um, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, hundreds of times. I'm guessing. Um, can you describe his appearance, Mister Howell? Maybe his hair color, any distinctive facial hair, any style of dress, and anything in his hands. If you if you re- remember anything like that. Uh, I remember I almost didn't want to call it in. He just seemed such a, a likable sword. You yeah. Know? Uh, but yeah. then I said, well, they did rob me. Mm-hmm. But, sure did. Uh, yeah, he was wearing green, a green hat, green, like kind of uh, uh, suit, basically. on. Okay. I think he had a belt, but uh, uh, the uh, like a, almost like a uh, coat and tails or whatever it's called. Okay. Uh, t- top and tails, you know, but with, with that coat. Uh, so right. it's longer green coat like that. Huh. Uh, he's okay. got red hair, shock of red hair coming out of the uh, out from underneath that green hat, kind of uh, curly uh, red hair. He had like kind of a, a little bit of a bulbous nose, like he had maybe been in a in a bout or two. A um, huh. little bit of like an Andy Cap type uh, face. Okay. Um, and uh, and his hands. Uh, I mean, he. I don't. He, uh, uh, basketball. It seems like that would, but maybe I'm just associating with. He was 100 the Boston Celtics. Oh yeah, specific leprechaun. I mean, I know I'm describing a guy that could just as well be trying to get my lucky charms, or I trying to get his lucky charms. But in any in any case, uh, this was this was the Boston Celtics one. I'm sure. Okay, okay. Then we're we're gonna go with that, and not necessarily from your description. We're we're gonna go with the fact that he was the Boston Celtics one. Um, yeah, yeah. The, but he has black hair with sideburns, uh, bowler with a shamrock ribbon, a shamrock bow tie and vest. He, he wears no coat, uh, knickers, uh, black shoes, white socks, pipe in his mouth, uh, basketball spinning on the index finger of his right hand and a shillelagh in his, uh, uh, I don't know, he has basketball in his right hand, shillelagh, I believe, in his in his left. Um, but this was kind of born out of an idea. It was it was a like a. Um, like a trivia game that I wanted to make a board game where that was just called like, you know, every day. And it was stuff that you see all the time, but just don't, you know, like that is pretty much standardized that you probably see every week, if not daily or, or what have you. But we just don't notice because it's so ubiquitous for our for kind of our, right. our everyday our everyday life. It took me forever, forever before I realized the Miami Dolphins dolphin is wearing a helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, I saw no, it, I mean, you know, a thousand just, times. Never, never well, saw it. Gloss over that stuff all the time. I, that would be a fun game. You could have like, uh, it's a little thing with like uh, ten points, you know, on the back, and you get um, you get thirty seconds to say identifying factors, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you can't say you're not allowed to say two things that would contradict. So you can't say red hair, black hair, right? Uh, but you you got yeah, you get thirty seconds. See as many of the ten things you can say. So a twenty dollar bill, you know, there, whatever. There wasn't enough to it, but I was I was going to say like uh, an everyday traffic, uh, everyday traffic light, which 
I think from from my research, there's two basic sizes, but I think the city one is the is the one we see usually is the larger one. I think they're like 42 inches long, 50 pounds. That the the light lenses are a foot a foot across. That it would be stuff that we would you know not not assume at all. The I think yeah. the highway stripes, you know, like the the dotted line highway stripes. That each dash of the dotted line, I believe, is 12 feet long, something like that. That I think most oh, of us would wow. guess it was five foot long or whatever, because we only see them, or you know, ninety eight percent of the time we see them, we're doing fifty miles an hour, sixty miles an hour, so they pop, pop, pop past. But I think they're ten or twelve feet long a piece. That's amazing. I I, I got to look that up because that is shocking to me if that's true. But yeah, obviously I don't see them at uh, at slow speed very often. Yep. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, I like that a lot. Okay. Um, TJ, uh, we're still in Planet Witness. Yes. And I would, uh, let's stick kind of in the witness uh, realm. And uh, here's the situation. All right. Um, you are brought into um, an antechamber in uh, in like a hell or, or purgatory type situation. Great. Uh, where where um, the good news is you've made it to like a pretty... Uh, pretty mild circle but in this circle of hell you have to do things that are off maligned in uh but by humans but are <laughs> you know generally maybe maybe one of these is is a little absurd but 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 uh maybe aren't that hard to do and i just want you to give me a one to ten on how bad how upset you would be uh if you had to do each of these things love Make it sense? love it okay uh, the first is uh, sit on a on a jury for a murder trial. Hmm. One to ten, ten being like that just sounds like true hell to you. One being like you're like, ha you know, you kind of you kind of say, oh, uh, it's so tough, hmm. but you in the back of your mind you're like, I'm actually looking forward to this a bit. So like one would be kind of secretly would like to do it, uh, or maybe one to openly would like to do it. Ten is just hate it. So my one question is, Rush, should I should I factor in that I'm in an ante room of hell or not? Not really. No, let's let's. Uh, that's why I kind of say hell slash purgatory. Okay, it's, it's more like um, it's like a test. Okay, like and if you kind of uh, you go through these things, you'd be allowed back out. You know, but um, you know. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Just one to ten. Uh, how how much how much would you like or not like to do these off the line things? Number one, sit on a jury for a murder trial. I've never sat on a jury, so I might I might have a rosier uh, outlook on how it might be because I've been told that it can be really boring and you know and shit like that. But I think I'm going to say a one as far as this goes. Okay, so you you would secretly wouldn't mind getting on there. I I uh, think once I should once yeah at least once I should I would look forward to it. Would you rather sit on a jury for a murder trial or a uh, corporate dispute? So civil action uh, between two two companies. Hmm. Uh, if if you had given me a less serious crime, I would have chosen that. But I'm think. I would be more intrigued with the human drama of a murder trial than the kind of the the more faceless for me idea or impression I get of a corporate trial. And you would be okay with the the fact that ultimately 
whether this person is convicted of murder or not is going to be in your hands. A lot of people just don't want anything to do with that responsibility. Yeah, I, I, I'm. It's not the coolest, but I think it it puts a really fine point on without a shadow of beyond a shadow of a doubt for me. I think I I'd probably be more inclined to lean towards innocence because of that. So if they could win me over to the fact where like, yep, I my conscience is okay with this person going away for a long time, if if not forever, then um, I don't think I'd be great with it. But um, but I think compared to other things that I could be um, presented with, as far as you know, the antechamber of of uh, of limbo, there, I, I think it's still a one. All right. Uh, next up is um, you got to uh, be a witness yourself for a full day, uh, seven day, seven hours sitting in a witness chair uh, in a uh, a trial mm. in which um, you are uh, testifying in support of a friend of yours who has been, uh, you think, wrongly accused of murder. OK. And I'm and I'm okay telling the truth and all and all and all of that. Um, probably a three, but maybe three, a two. Yeah. So you 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 like kind of see really wouldn't mind getting one run at, at being a witness. See how that goes. See how it feels. Well, I'm not looking forward to cross examination. I, I like I think one. You know, I think half or whatever. You know. Half of the process, I think I'm going to be pretty good with because, like, I'm on that person's side, and I think I'm going to get, you know, some some soft balios. But, um, yeah, so cross-examination is not going to be pleasant. But if I can tell the truth and just stick with telling the truth, then I, I know I'm there for a reason that I believe in and, you know, and for a friend. So I, I think I think it's not going to be pleasant, but I, I think I could feel righteous about my cause. More... Uh more interested in in doing it if it's a uh, the murder trial like I described or uh, again you're there for a corporate dispute uh, on behalf of uh, either an employer or a friend or whatever. I think in that case I'd be more inclined for it to be like a corporate thing. I don't I if the stakes are my buddy goes away or or, or whatever that right. yeah, I'd rather it be a I don't know some sort of financial uh, consequence than than imprisonment. Yeah, I think that one that was kind of probably kind of a no brainer yeah. as between as between those at the same time, like uh you probably would put a ton of time into <laughs> getting ready and uh you know, if if it's uh if, on behalf of your friend in a truly like uh life or death type situation. Um you got to uh help a friend uh move for uh a Ugh. full ten hour day. Ugh. Well you know you Paul Grandi and I when he and Susie got their like got their their home that they live in now, Paul found like a, a couch on Craigslist, and he asked me if I wanted to go go move it. Up to that point, I had pretty much been fine with moving large furniture somewhere. This was down a, it was just on a second floor, but it was like the staircase was like a flight and a half. It seemed like it stretched forever. And Paul and I were bringing the couch down. We looked at each other, and we both at the same time were like. Never again, man. This this is the last time we are moving a couch, you know, um, up and downstairs. So this that's it's not torture. It's not level ten torture, but that's that's a long shitty day and me with the twinky a twingy kind of back now. Uh, uh seven. 
seven or eight, seven, seven. There'll yeah. be still there'll still be some laughs to be had. There'll be some light loads. You know, there's gonna be some boxes that are just shirts and stuff, but but that's uh man, getting a dresser up to a bedroom and you know, like, damn, that's that's not as much fun as that used to be. Yeah, complete misery. Then you get to the place and it's like a really narrow staircase. You oh, gotta go up three flights. It's gotta turn and like by the third thing you gotta kind of figure out how to like twist it again and now that edge has to go in and you just gouge the wall of like somebody's new place and damn it, you know. Meanwhile, you used to do it not happily, but without too much of a problem for, you know, splitting a case and uh and you know, and a pie, a pizza pie at the end of the day. It was man. Uh, it's it's so good that those things happen when you're young. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there there have been times where I I just renewed my rent or my uh, lease <laughs> uh, because I I just thought about moving for a few minutes. I was like, oh no no no. But uh, yeah, it's been a while since I, I I think I mean there's a lot of things that, that uh, you know, you could call me and ask me for a favor and I, you know, nine times out of 10, I think I'll do, do just, I'm, I, I don't know. This is, a, I hadn't thought about this question, but it, it seems like I should have given this uh, situation. I'm not, a, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I wouldn't be more inclined to help a friend cover up a murder than I would be to help them, to help them on a 12 hour move. Like if it's a really good friend of mine, and I'm like, well, I don't know, I may help you cover up that murder, but I, I, there is no, I mean, those two things both sound about equally horrible to me as I'm sitting here right now. It's a, it's a long bad day either way you slice it, pal. That's right. That's right. Oh, what if, what if you, what if the covering up the murder involves moving? Moving a whole, you have to move that guy's entire apartment to somewhere else to say like yeah. he never lived there. Oh God, yeah. And then at the end, my friend's like, I didn't murder anybody. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. You're Well played, sir. Well played indeed. Well played. <laughs> uh, uh, lastly, uh, have to fight for survival on a deserted island. Oh, um, uh, uh, 10. <laughs> That's, uh, I was, in, I was, I, I was looking for a reason to say nine, like, Maybe something about it would be intriguing, but no, there's like, I have, I've watched, you know, plenty of naked and afraid and I, I, day, day, not name day one, hour two with those bugs. I'm gone. I'm gone. They got bites on, uh, on top of their bites and they can't even show the nastiest place. These people are getting, getting bit, you know, like, but sleeping all night long with an exposed bunghole and just hungry blood sucking you know i'm gone man like there's yeah. no part of it that's fun yeah people people underrate the bugs oh i thought maybe because you know you like building stuff and you might see like some level of kind of uh of, of interest in like uh you know it might be like an eight or something but yeah it's a 10 it's a, it, it, that's an absolute uh, i i think if my ship's going down and I see this like deserted island and I know it's really like a deserted island, I, I may just, just stand on the I, ship. I think I may just be like, take the drowning. You just see if someone can quickly make you a captain so you have a good reason not to leave. Right, yeah, yeah. I'll be the captain. I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Rush. Um, oh, Rush, do you remember? And I and you said at the time it was a listener submitted, and I'm forgetting the name right now. But it was that one person was left on each in each country on Earth, and that we were gonna start kind of like standardizing some of the new things for for the Earth's residents as to where they're gonna live, what what language will will everyone speak. Um, and I think you said at the time, like, oh, that could actually be brought back. And, you know, there's probably more that could be done with that. Well, we'll we will see. We will see, my friend. But Planet uh, made, me, made me think of that scenario. So here's the situation, Rush. I'm going to give you some internal situations where your clientele are those people, the remaining people um, on Earth, one from each country. Um, they are the only folks left on the planet. And you are basically in charge of global marketing with a specialization in U.S. culture. Cool. But you're going to try and find the most appealing, most um, across-the-board appealing answers to this. Um, first one, Rush, you run the only movie theater left on the planet. What are a couple movies that you're going to show that you hope have the widest appeal? Okay, so there's one person from every country, and that's it. Yeah, remaining on Earth, right? Yes, and that's was like Doug Serene. I think that was the. I think that was his name. Um, Doug sounds right to me. Had, yeah, uh, something like that. Uh, but yeah, it was a great. It was a great suggestion. Okay, uh, so I wanted. I want to do like some sort of uh, y- you know silent movie, like a Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, okay. I mean, maybe like a. Maybe maybe a Pink Panther, some, something like kind of slapstick and uh, and silent. Since uh, there's going to be almost you know there's not going to be a heavy overlap in terms of language spoken, um, and and we're not going to uh, probably have subtitles in you know eighty four languages or whatever I need. So um, I don't know though when, when I you know what comes to mind for like a really strong silent movie i mean what are even some in the last 25 years what have been some silent or near to- totally silent I mean, there was that run the artist run movie which was largely silent the artist was that um was that subtitled silent or just entirely silent the uh, oscar winner I, I thought it was subtitled okay um but i, I don't remember that movie's pretty good i think it won best picture it wasn't that good but it was so. pretty yeah. good um, there are movies with few words. I remember that that Ryan Gosling movie Drive or whatever seemed to have very few words in it. There was a lot of driving. I hated that. I hated that. I I I, I did the equivalent of walking out of that movie. Like I I got it on demand and I, I mm-hmm. shut it off. And not because I was falling asleep. I was there was a scene that was like way too violent. And then I was like, I, I, what am I even watching this for? I haven't enjoyed it up to this point, and now this part was horrible. So no, thank you. I feel like there would be uh, some international, like animated stuff that might be silent, but nothing that I, that, nothing that I know off, off the top of my head. Yeah. Maybe like, uh, Oh, Rush, you know what would work? Or something. Yeah. Um, uh, there were words to it, but something like winged migration or like March of the penguin nature stuff seems to get a lot across without having without you having to know exactly what the heck is going on. I think there was a bug one called like Microcosm or Microcosmos or something like that too that you 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 get it by just watching geese fly and stuff like you you pick up on it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, plus like Richard Attenborough or whatever, his voice is so good. I oh. might just put like 
the planet Earth thing up there, and it doesn't even matter. He, you no, can understand. You can understand him in any language, my friend. Uh, that's yeah, just yeah. that's 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 the magic of Attenborough. Uh, so similarly, Rush, you are in charge of uh, the planet's Netflix suggestions. Uh, can you suggest a couple of TV shows? And if, if you want to assume that it is, you know, able to be subtitled in you know in languages that people could understand, is there something that you would think would have broad uh, broad appeal? Yeah. Uh, so most of my favorite shows would not work. So like uh, my favorite probably comedy show was Arrested Development, at least the first uh-huh. couple of seasons um, or Cheers or I heard Seinfeld. I, I heard a, I listened to a podcast one time and they were talking about um, American versions of uh, or international versions of, of some American TV shows. And they had, were doing breaking bad but i think they were doing it they were doing it in south america somewhere so it was like the breaking bad show but in you know say argentina and the like the, they had to change a whole thing of, like about the border because like the us mexico border does not it doesn't have you know there was there was no um, congruous relationship between you know whatever country it was and the nearby country, so they had to come up with an entirely different sort of structure for stuff like that. And I was thinking there are yeah. there are TV shows like Sanford and Son or Chico and the Man that I don't know if there are congruous you know um, race relation you know stuff that played a real big role in it in other in other countries or not. Yeah. Know? Well, like, you know, so The Wire, I think, is the best show uh-huh. that, I, that I ever saw. But I, I don't think that would be, you know, I just think even though the kind of concept of law and order um, is is going to be important and, you know, to have folks from the vast, vast majority of the countries will have some ability to connect to that. I think, like, the specifics of it are, are uniquely American and it's important that it's uniquely American. So I, I would probably default to something more like Game of Thrones and just say, look, uh-huh. I mean, it's about friggin' like yep. intrigue and dragons and stuff. And, uh, you know, nobody's got dragons and everybody's got intrigue. So people will more or less be able to get into Game of Thrones internationally, I would think. Also, for the v- same reason that like Star Wars and Avatar and all these like sci-fi things end up being right. the greatest global box, box office that they are. You get you know, dragons not. across a lot of culture, too. You get dragons in the asian culture you get dragons in european culture you get i think there were dragons in south american culture as well you so dragons play baby yeah that's a good call dragons play yeah, you got your rhodesian rich back according to harry potter <laughs> you know so you have uh that one and you've got you know all sorts they, yeah they got dragons everywhere uh so i think game of thrones would be my my choice and then we would we would hopefully fix the last season smart <laughs> right good <laughs> Um, Rush, you're going to start a new Olympics and, uh, and there's going to be a lot of participants from, you know, from these folks here. Can you suggest a couple kind of wide appeal events, whether they were actually from the original Olympics or, you know, the previous Olympics as we know them or new events, um, but something that maybe a lot of people can participate in? Well, it's going to be interesting because you're going to have to have uh, combos. You know, countries will have to pair up together mm. since everybody's just got one athlete right, right. From, the, from their country. Because you, like, a relay race is going to be really rough when just one guy's <laughs> like hand, handing the baton to himself uh, over and over and over again. So, it, uh, if you're not allowed to pair up, then you got to do the individual sports. And you, you know, I, I find it interesting 
that the Olympics, to go on a bit of a tangent, the Olympics have recourse to every sport there is, more or less now, right? Like mm-hmm. we've we've crossed the Rubicon via the Dream Team in '92, and basically following that kind of everybody's allowed to put kind of pro athletes yeah. in from basically every sport. And yet, when we think of the Olympics, we still focus on swimming, track and field, and gymnastics. Those three things still dominate, which is interesting to me. Uh, and I, 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 I haven't thought enough about it, but like the psychology around that is interesting because we would all say, oh, no, we prefer football and basketball and baseball. I mean, there's no football in the Olympics. But, you, you know, we prefer soccer. We prefer basketball. We prefer tennis. We prefer golf. And yet I would prefer to watch the track and field than watch the tennis, even though tennis is a sport that not only do I love it, I, you know, I have an idiosyncratically strong preference for it. And yet, uh, you know, I, I like to get other stuff. So, so what is it about it that makes it such? Is it because that just is historically the more important part of the Olympics? I think maybe so. In which case, I'm going to try to keep the Olympics. Uh, we're going to try to like dial it back. We're not going to go back to like the, you know, the old pentathlon and naked rest, naked wrestling, and so forth. And <laughs> yeah, right. But we'll do like the stuff that you know. When I was a kid, and we had the '84 Olympics, and you talked about how the, uh, you know, everybody got free McDonald's because oh, oh, yeah. we got it. We just totally dominated. Uh, so I, I would just put them in like track and field and swimming and gymnastics, and say, "There you go. We're we're just trimming down the fat from the Olympics." <laughs> We're going to keep a few things just for me for fun, like badminton, ping pong. Nice. Uh, a few other. Maybe keep uh, some continent archery. some continent teams together and bring back the tug of war. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know? Because yeah. I think that was I, an Olympic sport for a little, for at some point. I think the tug of war was, was in the Olympics uh, way back, way back when. But, you know, that'd be, that'd be would, pretty fun. Would love it. I think, I think they should replace like the Pro Bowl with a tug of war and uh-huh. like two other events. So you have like, let's just get rid of the pro ball. It's a waste of time. It was the highlight of the battle of the network stars and those, those old things, you know, watching CBS and NBC try and yank each other across that line was, was a, was a hoot watching Jamie oh Farr dig in in there, you know, Lee majors anchored the ABC team, you know, like that was, that was now that was high drama, brother. All right, I'm writing down I, before <laughs> In, in our next few episodes, I'm coming in with a tug of war situation okay. <laughs> because I, I love the tug of war. I miss the tug of war. When's the last time you, when's the last time you did a tug of war? Uh, uh, what am I now? 48? I don't know. 40 years ago? <laughs> yeah. I, there's no way I've done a tug of war in the last 20 years. No. I promise you that. God, no. No. And I, I'd like to get out there. I'd like to go do a tug of war. Rush, they, right. they ask you to recommend the first planetary book club book. What would you recommend? Oh, by the way, um, listening to one of our older episodes yesterday made me go and order. I will be um, soon receiving a gentleman in Moscow. Oh, yeah. I look forward to talking to you about it at some point. I would be surprised if you don't like it. Um, Okay, so I'm going to pick a book for everybody. You know, again... Because of the cultural differences, I'm just kind of like drawn to things like the Lord of the Rings uh-huh. or, um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that's too Eurocentric too. I mean, but, um, gosh, it's going to be hard to find something. I mean, 
there's a book I love that I probably talked about before called the code book that I think could be, could be really good for this situation because the, the code book is a history of cryptography and cryptology or whatever the two words are, oh, like yep. the history of making codes and breaking codes. And because the code, the, the codes are often language independent and just like numerically driven. Uh, I think, uh, folks could could have interest in in that regardless of uh of, of where they they come from culturally you know i love the word cipher buddy i love the word cipher oh yeah um and lastly rush um one piece of an official planet uniform item so like a hat an armband a scarf anything that you think would have kind of broad appeal that everyone would be like hey i like this this is part of our part of our little get up let me get everybody a, a, a nice pair of uh, lightweight running shoes. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. I think everything else, there's just too many bad connotations with like, certainly with an armband uh-huh. or uh, just almost anything. I mean, but you, you, everyone likes to, well, not everybody, but most people enjoy having a comfortable pair Comfy of shoes. Shoe. Fair enough. Sounds perfect. All, All right, right. Daddy. Okay, TJ, uh, our next situation, um, because you just did one that uh, was based kind of off one from a, a reader uh, or listener uh, submission. <laughs> it's incredible. I, uh, it's absolutely I'm, incredible. People would think never, you did it on purpose, but I can see your face and I know you never have. You have nope. never done it on purpose. And it, it's, it's what, 95%? 95% rate, do you think? Uh, quite often. Okay. De- definitely more, more often than not. Um, <laughs> So this one comes from uh, uh, listener and writer uh, Bill Arnett. We've used one of his before, uh, but he, uh, I just, uh, th- this one was too on the nose for uh, Planet. And so I just, I have to do it. And it's a good one. Um, this, it's a bit long, but, uh, you know, in, in, in any case, uh, here's the situation. All right. Bill writes, uh, so in Star Trek, when the Enterprise goes to a new planet, that new planet always has one homogenous society and culture and one terrain, despite it being an entire planet. For instance, the crew might come across an entire desert desert planet of religious zealots. Okay. Are you with Bill so far? I am. I am. All right. Uh, so Bill is going to provide us with five planets with social and terrain pairs. You have to live on one of them for two years. <laughs> okay. uh, you can bring uh, pets, you can bring uh, uh, Beth, and you can have one family visit each year. But otherwise, you're you're out on your own in this you know foreign land. Okay. All right. So here are the five planets. All right. I'm, I'm going to have you rank them from one to five. I think Bill did a heck of a job on this one. All right. All right. Of course First he did. It's is, Billy Arnett. It's B.A. Bad Attitude Bill Arnett, man. Of course. (laughs) Ready. First planet. Planet Zylog. Z-I-L-O-G. It's got bucolic countryside like the Shire from uh, Lord of the Rings. The people are super laid back. So laid back that sometimes they can't open their shops on time and they rarely return phone calls or keep appointments. Okay. That's Zylog. Next planet is Altera. Altera, the entire planet is upscale, urban, high density, with a wide variety of wonderful shops and dining options. The people prioritize physical pleasures, eating, drinking, gambling, and carnal activities. However, it's almost impossible to get together with anyone because their calendars are always full 
with eating, drinking, gambling, and carnal activity. All right. <laughs> Next up is Nuvoton. N-U-V-O-T-O-N. Alpine valleys, snow-capped mountains and waterfalls, fairy tale castles, inviting chalets and quaint villages. The people are generous, cook wonderful fresh food, and are always happy to see you. They live a simple life because their language has only 43 words. Hmm. Next up is Holtec, H-O-L-T-E-K. It's a tropical paradise, a planet-wide Polynesian archipelago. The inhabitants live for inner harmony and balance and wish the same for you constantly. <laughs> and finally, Infineon. Infineon is an endless post-industrial wasteland. The food is terrible. The water is dirty. The air is stale. The people are fantastic. Warm and funny, witty and generous, like living in an episode of Cheers. There mm. you go. Damn. Five planets. All right. Um, okay. Hold on one second. I wrote them down. Um, let me see. Bing. Bading. Badung. Groovy. Um, and okay. Great. All right. I think I have this right. Um, lastly, Rush, last, last place, last place, last planet you're going to. Uh, I think, I think I have to pick the post-industrial garbage dump, um, in, in, in Finneon. Infineon. You're just not, not willing, even though the people couldn't be nicer and better. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's not okay to have dirty water, terrible I, I, food, yeah. stale air, and just a, garbage dystopian nightmare of yeah. the landscape stale stale air dirty water it's just that's such a bad combo i mean you, you better have a great personality but uh but i don't i don't think it's enough to make to, for to make up for it for me um yep. um uh next to last altera it's uh i i i love i love vegas for two nights uh right. i just can't do it more more than that it just gets it, it, the, the the bloom the bloom falls off the off the rose at that point that that one to me felt like in in like all these sci-fi movies you've got this like big city that's like over the top so populous and then it's like they're they're always having like raves yeah. you know and people are always so close together and i'm always like is this supposed to uh, we, this is supposed to be good i don't want to ever go there yeah. this is my nightmare it's like it's like mtv spring break uh but but in 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 like a a uh, metropolis type setting. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, next, I think is Holtec. Um, it sounds beautiful, but that that constantly word sounded a little ominous to me. That they want you to live in in harmony and balance. It it sounds a little. It sounded a little culty. It left me. It left me with a culty flavor, and uh, and I didn't. I didn't entirely cotton to that. So, oh, I think that was intentional because Bill put ellipses before that constantly. Okay, so gotcha. I think I think my my line reading I think was effective. I think that's right. It's this super beautiful uh, spot. Now I'm not the biggest fan of the Polynesian style uh, paradise to begin with. I mean, obviously it's great. I, I would love to go. You know, take a week there, but I, I would start to lose my mind pretty quickly. Uh, with with no connection to 
you know, anything other than like, hey, you know, this is how you should live and stay in balance and all that. No, thank you. Yeah. And and these last two are pretty were pretty tight. The, these these were these were close. I think um, second, I'm going to say Nuvatan, the Alpine Valley. Um, then and the the 43 words doesn't turn me off. In fact, I I'm that's a positive for me. I think that would be really cool, fun, um, interesting to learn the nuance of all that and keep um, keep communication interesting, I think, and important. So the, the lack of words in that didn't, didn't turn me off at all. And I don't know if it was meant to, but I, I looked at it as a positive and that leaves dialogue for me. The, the, the two laid back shire. Um, and, and it, it takes me, even when I go down, go down South, um, uh, Savannah, Charleston, New Orleans, where where the pace is a little is a little more relaxed, sometimes too relaxed for some. I find myself falling into um, into that that pace and enjoying it. Um, the more the more I'm there, or even the one or two times I've been to Europe, where like it's not just hey order, then the food comes. It's it's you know like eat it and go. You're supposed to take your time, and things are supposed to take a while, and they're being made by hand as you ordered it. So um, I think I would I think I could come around to that as as a lifestyle more more easily than uh, than others may or uh, than I may. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I thought that was a great uh, situation from Bill. I think uh, Zilog doesn't sound that I don't like the name. I mm-hmm. think all of his other ones were beautifully named <laughs> to fit the thing, but just like dialogue doesn't feel like the, the kind of Shire feel to me. But um, I, I think I would go with Nuvatan. I, I think he meant forty-three words to be a major drawback, um, and it would be a a un un. Uh, it would be a deal breaker for me if I was going to live there like permanently. But I'm doing two years, mm-hmm. so I feel almost like it's like a way to. Uh, I, I don't know the same way you get immersed in a new language or something for, for a while. And, and I, I think it's like a way to like two years to kind of have more time for introspection while meanwhile, the food is amazing. And you're like, it sounds like skiing and then going to like castle. Beautiful. Just, yeah. Like, beautiful hikes and generous and simple people too. Like that, that sounds like my kind of folk. Right. And I'm assuming, and I'm not trying to fight the hypothetical that he gave, but I'm assuming that, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't lose my ability to comprehend all the words I currently know. I just, you know, they, they don't know what I'm talking about and they have no interest in, in learning, which, you know, that's just the status quo. Here. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, after that time, I think it would be, I, I, I think you would grow a lot as a person having to integrate to a society with so few words. So that for me was far and away. Uh, number one. And in fact, I would be like, yeah, if that place exists, like, I, I would love I'll to go, go for two years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd love to go for six months. All right, here's here's one, Rush. Uh, here's the situation, Rush. It turns out the COVID nineteen virus is the most recent shot in an ongoing dispute between the planet as landlord and humans as tenant. So the planet has decided to finally go to court for formal eviction proceedings for humans. Rush, you nice. can either represent the planet or the human race, and make the um, argument for your client in the eviction proceedings. Ooh, I like that. We've used planet and witness. Try, tried to get them both in there, yeah. 
All right. I, you know, let me argue for the for the people because the planet one seems pretty easy. Okay, the good. The planet one, I, you know, I think I could knock out the planet. You know, you're just like, what are you guys doing? You know, greenhouse gases, you're mining the coal, you're uh, doing all this other stuff that, uh, you know, I've told you, I've, I've sent the science out to you, you've seen it, uh, you disregard it, you, you know, you've overheated the place. I mean, how many of my glaciers need to fall apart before you get the deal? You know, I got these nice penguins down here. Like, what are you doing? Look at these bees. The bees are dying. Are you kidding me? You idiot. Wait a minute. Um, are you saying all this before you head into your into your human argument? I'm just saying that, that one would be easy. I, oh, yeah. I could do that one, you know, kind of all day. So I'm 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 interested in the challenge of the the devil's advocate position <laughs> yes, of, the, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of arguing for why we should not be evicted. <clears throat> so I would say. Okay, look, the last major tenant, you know, to, to, to rent the, the high rent area and really pay the, the high quality stuff were the dinosaurs. Yeah, the ones who sub the ones who subleased it to us. Yeah, the, the sub uh, the sublet. They were gone for a while. Okay. You had trouble. And I, I, that's where I wanted to start is, hey, Earth, I just want to point out, you had trouble finding a tenant for a while after the dinosaurs. Like, a long, long time, okay? And, you know, I get it. They, they, they caused a lot of trouble. They emitted a ton of, uh, you know, gases. They, uh, they destroyed a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, the nature that was existing at the time. And so you found a way to, you, you, you evoked the uh, comet or asteroid clause in order to, uh, to wipe them out. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't all that easy when you just had no no major tenant because it's going to be kind of boring without uh, you know without the humans. Like if you look around at the overall uh, construction on land, about uh, interesting things that have been done uh, for the planet, it's it's you know obviously unrivaled between the humans and anything else. We can all marvel at like a beaver building a dam. We can all marvel at the dance of the honeybee. We can all mar- marvel at you know. <clears throat> a, tens of thousands of other things but they i mean let's let's be serious like they they pale pale in comparison to just the hancock building by itself let alone like the you know the harlem globetrotters as a concept or uh you know a uh, a, a manet or a van gogh i mean all of these things <clears throat> the humans have been adding beauty to the beauty that comes uh with the earth and even though the humans um are a stubborn lot, set in their ways, selfish as a uh, as a creature. Um, there are a bunch of humans that uh, uh, that seem to get it, and we we continue to uh, have them uh, slide you some checks. I know we're not. I know we're not current on the rent. I know we're not current on the rent, but we're giving you a little bit uh, from time to time. And look, it's better to get some money than than no money. And I know you tell me, well, you don't need a tenant, but wait a second, like. If you don't have a tenant, who's writing about the earth? Who's talking about the earth? Like you're gonna, you're gonna die one day too, just like all of us. Like hey, hey, he's threatening up. the earth. This guy's threatening the earth. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Look, you know, everybody always says, look, you know, the earth will eventually, like, if we don't treat the earth well, it will eventually get rid of us, and that's true. And you know, here we are having the debate, earth, and you know, it's it's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. Some of my fellow tenants, I mean, we've we don't clean up after ourselves like that's the, you know to say the least and uh 
Uh, we keep we stay open like way too late. We have parties that we don't tell you about. One one tenant blew up a couple of like atom bombs once. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that that was bad. Uh, we've had all sorts. I mean, we we had the uh, the, the Chernobyl incident. Yeah, where, uh, you know, somebody really uh, <laughs> destroyed one of the one of the bathrooms in a way that no one's ever been allowed to go back in there. We apologize. <laughs> Uh, for that, that's really bad, and we, we you know, look, we, we, we fly too close to the sun, but, but one day, Earth, you're going to be gone. And, and in the meanwhile, you're going to want to have some inhabitants that, um, uh, you, you know, that are able to create and, uh, and conceive of things that, that uh, no disrespect uh, to, to your other creatures, but they're not as smart as us. They're not capable of as much interesting stuff. And in the long run, you know, the earth is better off um, in some ways for, for having humans. Now, if you want to get rid of about two thirds of us, that would, you know, like a Thanos type thing, that probably makes some sense. We're overcrowding. We're causing all of these problems, but eventually look, COVID is demonstrating, right? Like, so you sent COVID as a test and you're saying, all right, you dummies, you know, uh, like if you go out and you, uh, you do a bunch of stuff that I tell you not to do, you're all going to get sick and a bunch of you are going to die. And so people are, you know, for, for the most part, um, people are like adapting and surviving and figuring out uh, how to address the, uh, uh, the challenge. And the earth, I hope the earth kind of likes the air quality right now, though, a little bit more kind of kind of digs it. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> nice to see the pictures of L.A. where there's no smog. There's been no <laughs> smog in L.A. for two months. It, it was crazy. It only took like three days for it to go away. That's the other point that I want to make. Earth is, <laughs> look. Once you decide to get rid of us, we're gone. You know, we're gone. You can't like bring us back. You're not going to get somebody else to come pay rent. And it's not going to be that hard for you to get your, to get stuff back together. I mean, LA was smog free in less than a week. Like, yeah, you'll have some problems with like the glaciers and everything else, but like, don't blow up Yellowstone, Yellowstone quite yet. Like, give us a, a little more time and we'll prove that, you know, the same people that, that helped us, you know, going to help us globally navigate this COVID situation will help us navigate the climate change situation. I hope, I hope if anything good is to come from COVID, it's that there'll be a greater, uh, a greater um, recognition probably won't happen. I'm just going to be totally honest, but I would hope there'd be a greater recognition that we have to act proactively to address climate change rather than, uh, you know, kind of sit and wait and then say, Oh, now we're in big trouble. Let's shut everything down. So well, that, that's that's my argument. Well, well I, argued, Mr. Howell. I, I don't love your chances. I don't love your chances after the judge comes back out of chambers. But I, it was well argued. It was well argued. Yeah. <gasps> you were worth yeah. every penny. You were worth every penny the human race paid you, pal. Well, normally, I, you know, I should have done some work in advance <laughs> rather than just showing up uh, oh, to the hearing. Buddy, I was up all night trying to figure out how to how to really skewer Roger Federer in, in light of in light yeah. of Nelson Mandela. I've been burning the midnight yeah, midnight oil with yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I'll do one more before we come back to that. So, Sounds good. Uh, here's the situation. All right. You uh, and this comes from witness. Um, you're back on one of these ESPN panels. Okay, and uh, they're going to do a uh, documentary on uh, LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, who's the goat okay. in uh, basketball, as a follow-up to the Last Dance. And of course, I think of LeBron because of Witness, uh, one of the greatest advertising right. campaigns probably in history. 
Uh, one day we could do an advertising campaign draft where we talk about some of the some of the very best. Uh, the Sonic the Sonic uh, ads being number one, <laughs> but LeBron James witnessed like you know what a great like that. I mean that uh, that 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 huge like mural slash billboard in, in Cleveland that then was desecrated and so forth. But anyway, um, what what you're tasked with doing is assigning uh, anywhere from zero to six stars. Um, to uh, each of these arguments. Okay. And uh, at first, you're going to be limited only to zero to five stars, and then at the end, I'm going to let you pick up to two that you can then move up to six stars. Okay. To and the v- the no. strength or validity of these of these arguments. Correct. So okay. if if I give you an argument, and if I say like, you know, if I said, well, MJ is is a, a taller than LeBron well, you know if I give you something false that you don't agree with or whatever you can give that a zero or a one okay um, but other, otherwise um, it's it's really how how much that that argument you think matters when assessing which of these two is the greater player now you might think Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell is better than either I, I personally am of the view that it's uh, you really it, the conversations to start and end with these two guys, but regardless of what you think about other players, great. Um, that that's not the task uh, the ESPN is doing. Just an MJ versus LeBron. The validity of the argument is is what I'm is what I'm going zero to five stars on right now. Yeah, it's not so much the validity of it because I could say like LeBron is you know from Akron and MJ's not. That's that's true, and, and well, what I'm asking is is does it matter? How much does it impact your view of, of who is the greater player? Germane, so you, the germaneness of it all. Yeah. I so, think, so I think I get it. Like, I think I'm yeah, just yeah. complicating it by trying to find a word. Great. Yes. I'm, I'm in. Okay. First argument. Um, Michael Jordan won six uh, titles. LeBron has only won three. Four star, four star argument. Uh, second argument might sound the same, but it's not. Um, if you took the two of them and took the total number of years that they that they they were the best player on their team, and their team was, and they weren't like a a rookie or second year, and they weren't at the end of their career. Um, Michael Jordan won the title in a in a much higher percentage of years where he really kind of could have won the title than LeBron. Mm, two stars. Okay. Um, uh, LeBron has been to nine finals. MJ's only been to six. Uh, hmm. Pull that one apart. Um, three stars. Uh, LeBron is a more complete uh, player due to rebounding and passing than MJ. Uh, Five star argument. Okay. Uh, MJ is the better competitor and never had series like LeBron did against Boston or Dallas, in which he seemingly disappeared in key moments. Four star argument. Okay. 
Uh, LeBron is a better human being than Michael Jordan. Four-star argument. Uh, MJ is a better human being than LeBron James. Uh, zero stars. Okay. Um, Michael Jordan is the better defender between the two. Uh, hmm. Two stars. LeBron James is the better defender uh, between the two. He takes a lot of plays off. Two stars. Okay. Um, MJ uh, at 6'6 and probably 40 less pounds didn't have the dominating physical gifts that LeBron did and yet dominated as much or more on the court than LeBron. Two stars. Uh, LeBron, um, I'm sorry, MJ never lost in the NBA Finals. Two stars. Uh, LeBron defeated uh, better opponents in the NBA Finals. Three stars. Uh, MJ defeated better opponents in the NBA Finals. Two stars. Okay. Um, LeBron had the single greatest series in basketball history in which in a seven-game series, he came back from three to one down and beat a 73-win Golden State Warriors team while leading both squads in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks for the entire series. I'm trying to remember if this is the same series. Uh, I, I don't know if this is the series where I kept on thinking Kyrie Irving's the best player on the floor right now. Um, uh, two stars. All right. Um, LeBron James, poor free throw shooter. Um, three stars. Uh, MJ played in a more physical uh, era, and had he played at a later time, he would have scored even more and utilized the three-point line even more. Um, that is at least four. I'll, I'll say it's four. Okay. All right. And so with, with those, those are the, uh, a bunch of the arguments that they had, they had a, you know, they, they're putting together, uh, it's going to be a 10 part series in each, each, uh, each episode, they, they cover two arguments for Jordan and two arguments for LeBron. So uh, I didn't cover them all, but I covered a bunch of them. And I would now like you to go back and say, of those, of all of, of all of those, what are the one or two arguments you think are the most important um, in assessing which of these two is the greater basketball player? I tried. I tried to take notes on all of them. I, I think one the one of the one that one of the ones that intrigues me the most is the is the last is the last one. Um, the no th the, the three point uh, the three point being utilized more and also just that 
declaratively the Knicks and Pistons were just like, we're going to beat the living shit out of this guy every time he comes down the lane. That that if if the rules were such and hand checking and all of that, all of that were were different, that that the trying to suss that out in, in interests interests me. Um, Rush, what was the fourth argument that I gave five stars to? I have a five written down next. So I was trying to take well, LeBron is a more complete basketball player when you assess things like passing and rebounding. Yeah, and, and I think Jordan was was an excellent passer and also an excellent rebounder, but um, but LeBron's bull, bullishness that he's allowed to because his size is different. But Michael also had physical gifts that were um, absolutely uh, you know unfair in certain ways um, that. Um, I would, I, I would, I would circle, circle that. Um, it's, it's important to me, but not important to other people. The quality of the quality of people's character that matters to me. I don't know if that matters in, 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 in a kind of a forensic argument between who's better. So I had it as strong arguments, but I, I think that's more of a, a thing, a personal thing for, for me. Um, I tried to like kind of, cause I, the first guy that, cause I had no, no skin in the game for, for Michael or LeBron in, in many ways. So like, um, I did have skin in the game for someone like Tom Brady. And so some of these arguments that could be congruous to like played in more, you know, played in more finals, even if you didn't win them all, that getting there was something, but that I tried to kind of like not give too much weight to things that depended on their too much of their contemporaries or circumstances outside of their control as far as like caliber of 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 opponent that's stuff that they can't really determine you know like you can just beat who's in who's in front of you um but i think the the titles is important because it's how how stuff is measured so point number one the six six to three difference in titles i would say and um um, and you know what, you know what I would like to see explored. I think it includes points eight and nine is, is, is defense, um, as far as like importance as a player, like the, the, the numbers that you can always look to as far as like scoring rebounds and, and assists. But, um, but like LeBron takes, takes plays off. Um, and I, and I don't know how much focus I ever put on watching Michael's defense. I just know that it seems like when they want to, they can shut down whoever whoever they want. Um, but I, I would right. like to see I would like to see that explored. So I guess those would be the ones I would pick. Yeah, I I do think so. The statistical case between the two of them is very tight. Um, like if you look at sort of all sorts of advanced statistics, win shares per forty eight, value of a replacement player, real plus minus. Um, especially if you take into account that LeBron theoretically is likely to, uh, you know, taper off a little bit, um, uh, later on, um, you know, those are very close, but the defense, you know, we don't have as good a set of statistical metrics. Uh, obviously we have like defensive real plus minus defensive, uh, value of a replacement player, but those are, uh, you know, it's still, still newer and still, I think being, being fully developed. One I didn't ask you that I meant to, um, was, uh, uh, LeBron, uh, won titles, um, 
here's a couple more for you. LeBron won titles with multiple teams. Yeah, is it like because that kind of I'm I'm trying to I I think I think that the the I think the title he won with Cleveland was really important. Um, if he wins one with L.A., I like I don't I don't know I'm not that I'm not you know I'm not that impressed. It's like Durant it was, it was, you know it was like Durant going going to Golden State, and so when they went down to Miami, like it's it's kind of I don't know it doesn't they're championships, but I I don't know. They rub me wrong, I guess, you know, um, but these are all personal things that I'm having trouble separating from what should be purely sports sports arguments. Um, I don't I don't think I give them too much so more. Zero stars. Yeah. One, I guess one one star that you could you do. Don't, it don't care that he won with multiple teams. Uh, uh, LeBron quit on his team and left uh, Cleveland. Uh, yeah, that bothers me. Three stars. Uh, Michael quit on his team to go play baseball. Um, I don't think, I don't think it can be phrased that way. Um, and if so, yeah, I, I'd say one star. Well, how, how can it not be phrased that way? Like what? I, 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 I think I tend to believe he had to leave. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was entirely, I, I, I know it's been denied up and down, but I think there was something going on all the way up, all the way up to Stern. You you think it's over 50% that Michael Jordan was forced to leave the NBA? I do. Yeah. I think something was really, really wrong. What, what, what is the scenario where you think it was that they forced him to leave and then said he could come back the very next year? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I think something was going to come down that, uh, that, that his father's death was under circumstances involved with gambling, that there was money owed, that, um, that something was going, something was going to shake out that was going to, um, destroy Michael's reputation, the reputation of the NBA and that Stern made some move or decision to get him out of there so that, um, it somehow avoided what was, what was going to, what was going to shake out. Um, but, but the, the somehow avoided, we'll have to, we'll have to have a conversation about that when it's a boy. I don't know how it was. I mean, I, I love the conspiracy theory. There's certainly a bunch of stuff around it, but like, I don't, I've never thought that it was more than a five or 10% chance or something. Cause like somehow avoided, like he came back the next year. So if there was, I mean, if they were going to suspend him, right. So the NBA said, we're suspending Michael Jordan for gambling activities and he's, he's suspended for a year. And he said, the hell with that. I'm going to go play baseball for a year. And then I'm allowed to come back next year. If I want, then I could, you know, I guess I could believe that. But if it's like, they were aware that he had, you know, covered up a murder or something like, I don't think that next year they'd be like, well, okay, that blew over. Let's, yeah, uh, it sounds it ridiculous, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't have my argument fully formed. Just going on vibe for, for it, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it that did feel weird. I mean, those kids felt like they were hired, right? You know, didn't it didn't uh, didn't seem like an accident. And you know, maybe it was just broken up about his father's death, but it seems it seems weird to me. Be like, yeah, I'm really broken up about my father's death to play basketball, but not so much to go play baseball for some reason. Yeah. I think there were, there were clearly other things like with Krauss and so forth and yeah. so on. Um, 
But all right, so you've got uh, you've got your so in the end, I think you said the the arguments maybe that you would circle would be ultimately MJ's got more titles and maybe LeBron. The best argument for LeBron is more complete as a uh, as a player. I think so. I think so. Yeah. All right. Very good. All right. Uh, let's see. We'll try and do this one pretty pretty quickly. Um, so rush witness made me think of bear bear false witness. One of the commandments, and then bear false witness made me think of Winnie the Pooh because he was a bear and he he lied about how much honey he he ate. So here's the situation: I'd like you to insert yourself as a character into the world of Winnie the Pooh. Rush, what animal would you be? And tell me a little bit about you and your role in the group. Um, if you need refresher, there is kind of Tigger who was you know excitable but not necessarily super dependable. Eeyore was near suicidal. Piglet, I think, was just kind of cute. Um, owl, I think was as you would assume an owl would be, uh, Rue, Kanga, Rabbit, a little more ancillary characters. I think Rabbit was a little fastidious. Uh, I think Kanga and Rue were just kind of sort of a classic, adorable mom, mom, child combination. Um, but if you kind of, you know, and still being like, sort of like, oh, that's still a Rush Howell kind of, kind of character. What, uh, what animal would you be and kind of what would your function be in the, uh, hundred acre wood? I think, I, I think, un- unfortunately, I'm pretty sure what I would be um, is I, I would be like, I, I got to think of the animal. Um, and I, I don't know why I'm thinking, but it would be like, uh, oh, I'm thinking like some sort of kind of like prairie dog type thing. But I, I, I want to think a little bit more about the type of, but I know the attitude, which is like, <laughs> just extreme frustration with the uh the uh chaotic nature and the the undisciplined nature of <laughs> winnie the pooh and his gang uh-huh. such that i would just be like guys we have we got a lot of stuff we got to get some stuff done here and then what where is he where they're all they all went where they're all playing poo sticks over at the bridge right now right and i'm like <laughs> we, we we have a construction project that is four months behind over here we've got all these guys so i think that would be like the, the character just to like put, like put upon you know Great. uh you know kind of maybe like the town mayor or whatever um and for some reason i'm thinking he's like uh uh like uh, he's like a gopher groundhog hedgehog yeah okay he's like he's, he's like bipedal and he's got like <laughs> He's got like a tuft of uh, hair. He's bald on the on the top, but he's got like a like it's curling upward. You know, like Larry uh, Fine, like like Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, but it's it's uh, it's like white hair, you know, and uh, it's a little like Doc Brown, but without it being like quite so crazy. Uh-huh. And it, it, but and it's like prematurely gray because he's just. I mean, it's so hard to get anything done. What is the name of that world? What do they call like Pooville or what is it? I think it's the Hundred Acre Wood. Uh, I, I think okay. is where is where they live. I think. Just out of curiosity, uh, Rush, if if you were if you were added as an eighth dwarf, what what would you what would you be? Uh, all right. Uh, probably like. Um, I don't know. Angry. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of like grumpy, but not entirely. He's it's a little more it's a little more at you, and not just yeah. generalized. <laughs> uh, off the handily. <laughs> he's good. 
he's good most of the time, and then he just yeah. Blows yeah. Up. <laughs> I would be uh, yeah procrastinatory. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like one of the you know you got seven dwarfs like they're going to get a lot of work done without me. I'm probably going to you know kind of hang to the side <laughs> sure. a lot. Maybe sure. uh, you know. call me an emergency. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's what I'll be emergency. <laughs> All right. Like, oh, come on. So what? Uh, now right. I'm going to cross examine. Yes. All right. So uh, I gave you the example, but your your uh, you know witness obviously makes me think of cross examination, and I thought um, I'll take any position you want. Uh, I'm the witness, so the one I threw out is uh, is is a fairly absurd, but I'm not entirely sure. I don't believe it statement that uh roger federer has taken up nelson mandela's mantle is the world's most well-liked and respected human since uh nelson mandela died and you get to you get to pick any position you want that you think i might hold um so you can assign me a different one besides that okay and then uh you get to practice some cross-examination skills whereas i will i will do my best to uh, uh to pretend it's a real life uh, deposition or cross-examination and i'll try my best not to give uh, not to give you the points that you're trying to score. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just try, I'll just try and work with the, uh, work with, with what we got. And so it's not that he was, he's not that he is better than Mr. Mandela or whatever, just that since that was, that, that mantle was relinquished by his death, that it's been taken up by Mr. Mr. Federer. That's right. And we, and we need not quibble about whether Nelson Mandela ever held that mantle, but, you know, obviously, it seemed to me that he was incredibly uh, well respected worldwide, and uh, you know, um, so so we need not worry about comparing Federer to Mandela. We need not worry about comparing Mandela to other peers of Mandela. It's more just this uh, this statement that Federer is now uh, uh, on planet Earth um, the most universally uh, you know liked uh, guy. Okay. Uh, Mr. Howell, uh, what percentage of of the uh, of the Earth do you think are would be considered uh, tennis fans? Mm, somewhere between twenty five, thirty three percent. Twenty five. So you think you believe a third of the Earth are consider themselves tennis fans? Do you a third of your friends consider themselves tennis fans? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a little high. Maybe it's like twenty. I don't know. Just it's it, yeah. It struck it struck me as it struck me as high. I, I and maybe you run in a very tennis fan friendly circle, uh, but I'd I'd be surprised if the uh, the uh, world the world came out to that one of every five people said that they were tennis fans. Um, I, I think that would be that would be a high number. Um, just so that, you know, people who might be doing positive things in uh um you know, in other in other realms might be e- more easily liked by more by more people than than Roger Federer. Of of those that are tennis fans, would you say, and let's we'll we'll start with the twenty percent number. We'll we'll say that, that is that that is accurate. Um how many of people that are tennis fans do you think are also then Roger Federer fans? I imagine there are decent amount who are fans of his of his rivals 
uh, whether Nadal or Djokovic, some probably that are just general tennis fans who can like multiple players. Um, but how many would you say, I understand Mr. Federer is fairly popular. Um, how many of those would you say are, are also Federer fans? Well, I think to try to fairly answer your question, to your point, I think saying 20 to 33% is, is high. If you're talking about a tennis fan, meaning like a, fanatic like a, a true you know somebody that loves tennis and plays and follows and certainly that number would be much lower i i meant kind of tennis fan more in the sense of like hey do you do you like the concept of tennis yeah you know i know tennis and i have nothing against it and therefore i kind of like it i think if you if you're just talking about people that really follow like the tour and have a favorite tennis player and everything i think it'd be more like five percent or ten percent or something like that mm -hmm. and of those i think you know 75 uh, percent are going to be say that they like federer okay. um versus you know maybe 60 would say they like nadal and 33 would say they like Djokovic or something like that i mean obviously those add up to over 100 but a lot of people are fans of more than one but i i think there would be a, a much bigger cross-section of people that um that 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 are the more casual like oh yeah tennis is something that i like um but don't consider themselves like big fans of any one person. And, and I think those people would have a much higher percent that would, would say, yeah, I like Federer. If, if you walked around, do you think if you walked around the globe um, with a picture of, let's say, you know, Lionel Messi um, uh, right. and a picture of Roger Federer, uh, would, would you agree that more people would, would more likely recognize uh, Lionel, Lionel, Lionel Messi than, than Roger Federer? I'm not sure. I think it would be, it, it's not unreasonable to say that that's true. I, I do think that Federer makes more in endorsements per year, which is one decent indicator of a Q rating. Um, Federer, I believe is the highest paid male athlete for endorsements uh, right now. Um, uh, if I said Christian Ronaldo, um, would, would it be any different for you? No, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I think Ronaldo and, and Messi, they're, they're two of the only athletes I think I could think of that might have a higher worldwide, you know, Q rating than, than Federer. I'm not sure that they do. I think Federer's will be higher in Africa. I think Federer's will be higher in Australia. And I think Messi's would be higher um, and, and significantly so in uh, South America and uh, and probably in Asia. So probably Messi would be more popular. But there, there may be guys like uh, the best cricketer, you know, um, in, in India might be more have a higher Q rating than, than any of them just because of the massive amount of uh, population in India. How about if I handed you a picture of Tom Hanks and uh, you walked around with a picture of Tom Hanks and a picture of, uh, of Roger Federer. Mr. Hanks, who I, I believe has never had any, you know, has, is, is very well liked. I don't, I can't think of a single um, scandal or, you know, or, or negative that's ever been, ever been placed, uh, you know, a negative mark placed next to his name. I, I don't think. Yeah. The answer is, I don't know if you're asking for my opinion, I would say my opinion is that, um, more people would recognize Federer than Hanks. Really? Um, again, I like, you know, I haven't, I haven't run these numbers. I just find it. I just find it hard to believe. Did, were you offered any kind of deal by Mr. Federer in, in, uh, in, in exchange for this testimony, Mr. Howell? I, I was not. Are, are you yourself? You yourself? Would you say yourself? Uh, you're a big fan of Roger Federer. Yes. Yeah. Would you say you're an enormous fan of Roger Federer? 
Yes, also a big fan of Tom Hanks, I would say, but yes. Yeah. And when, when did you first come across Tom Hanks, just out of curiosity? What, what year? I'd say 1988, maybe 87. Um, what year did you come across Mr. Mr. Federer by any uh, you know, by chance? The first I remember is a 2001 match against Pete Sampras at Wimbledon. That's the first time I remember watching him play. Gotcha. So 13, 14 years uh, after being being acquainted with Mr. Hanks. So you've been acquainted with Mr. Hanks for the vast majority of your life. Like uh, a lot of people have been, you know, have been born uh, since then. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who uh have been you know have enjoyed mr hanks's work now for gosh what are we talking 88 87 97 so wow that's is that 40 years is that somewhere around 40 years that they've been enjoying him uh, i think i think his first kind of film breakthroughs were like 82 ish so i think yeah right around 40 years yeah that's a long time that's a long time to be liking somebody you know that's uh, a long time to be out there to be growing a fan base um no doubt about it Hanks is, uh, I mean, has Hanks ever lost? Would you say Hanks has ever lost? <laughs> has Tom ever lost? Well, I would say that, uh, yeah, I would say it, Hanks' last, like, 10 years of movies haven't been um, nearly as well-received as his, his hottest streak, which, call it 94 to 99. Did you see Polar Express? Did you Did you see it? Did you... I did. Yeah. Did you like it? Not really. Hmm. Well, I, I, you, I'm just not gonna be able to reach you, sir. <laughs> but, but I do, I do have trust that I've, I've reached, I've reached the jury in a really scattershot roundabout, roundabout way. Uh, but you know, we, we rest, we rest, Mister Howell. Good. I like it. You gave, you gave two plausible, uh, <laughs> you know, other, uh, other, other, other. Uh, possibilities for that mantle also uh i think the tennis you know the tennis fan point is 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 a good one for sure i don't know i don't know what the like the q ratings are for you know you know obviously like there's no doctor you know i mean there's yeah i, I think i think it'd be hard for a politician right to be, like universally well liked. i wanted to you know, like to make an argument for just someone who does something good but like what realm that that is that is in is tough to say because they, they do almost have to become involved in national or international politics and that automatically gives them a con side you know like an, an anti you know to some degree i think it i you know like i I think if someone like Jane Goodall was at the height of her popularity or someone who's like who could have something against like a lady trying to, you know, work with chimpanzees, you know, or or someone along that line who's almost just like you can't find a downside, but it does seem like when you get into the realm, you know, if it was something like Jonas Salk, you know, or someone like that, yeah. that, that, you know, it's, it's an undisputable positive what, what they're trying to do. But yeah, it does seem like, unfortunately you almost, you, I think you have to get, stay in the world of sports or get into the world of entertainment to, yeah, to find that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that music could be good there. I mean, look, the, the great innovators, you know, most of them are very controversial figures like uh, Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. You know, they're not going to be like universally praised. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and ideally, so, yeah, you I, want someone who overcame someone like Mandela, who was like, you know, got the shit kicked out of him, you know, you know, um, wrongly imprisoned and then comes to rise up to become, you know, president. Um, 
the head of the you know the the, the con- council, the African National Council. Um, yeah. Or the Democratic National Council, but yeah, like someone like that who's like you know I don't know what Federer's upbringing was, but he you know when it's like oh he had to overcome a brutal five set victory, you know, <laughs> you know, six yeah, hour yeah. match or whatever. No, obviously, <laughs> obviously there's no comparison in, in, in terms of that. And, and nor, you know, is tennis, uh, meaningful at all. I mean, he, he has given millions and millions of dollars to, you know, clean water and education in Africa. So that's good. Yeah. But, but, um, you, you know, I, I think, I mean, part of it is like a, I mean, obviously, it's all a little bit tongue in cheek, right? Like, I'm sure, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he would lose in a uh, in a poll, but I think he'd be like fairly high up there. And I think most of the people that would be up there too would be athletes, uh, musicians, yeah. and actors, and so forth. And I think like that's a little sad. Oh yeah, because um, thinking about the only but, people who would have come close, you know, were like Ali, Jordan. You know, it's it's these people who become international stars, uh, often through sport, and then maybe through. Um, you know, at least in Ali's case, um, social consciousness and, you know, and, and civil right fights and, you know, and that kind of, that kind of stuff adds to that, you know, that cachet and that, um, that, that kind of resume right. and all around. But, but one thing, one thing that Jordan had and Federer has this a little bit as well is Jordan was very like non-controversial. Yeah. Like right. that's what he, you know, he, whatever Republicans buy shoes too. Right. Like, yeah. Michael Jordan did not want to take stands on anything. And he was a little bit like Teflon in that way. Right. Like yeah. he just, he, 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 for, you know, in, and of course a lot of people like me did, didn't like him cause he would be, you know, he, he doesn't seem like a good guy to right. start with. And then secondly, he, he would win uh, against our teams all the time. But I do think like Ali, if you're, if you're like Ali, it's a little harder to have that kind of universal acclaim. Um, because you're, you're going to be a controversial figure when you, when you speak out and you, uh, you know, which is, which is probably too bad overall. But, um, I, I do think if you took a guy like, I mean, just a, you know, a total lightning rod would be like Colin Kaepernick is much more famous than a lot of other athletes now at this point. But would you say he's universally well liked? Right. Absolutely not. He's th- loved by a bunch of people and hated by a bunch of people. I think the last thing on earth that might be just university universally well liked is here's the situation, uh, the podcast. You know, like, that's I think right. that's the, the most the most the Q rating is through the roof. Through uh, the roof. Through like the roof. to thank Nate who does our production, Julie who does our music. And Emily uh, Cardamus, who did the artwork. If you want to get in contact with us, like Billy Arnett did, um, it's Here's the Situation Podcast at Gmail. We do thanks Billy for his uh, his submission. And uh, I think that's all. Anything else, Rush? No, thank you very much for reading. <laughs>